a blonde Canadian tennis player actually wins a big match. Estrada pitching really well. That means one thing. He gone. And why the NFL has got it right when it comes to non-guaranteed contracts. All that coming up, TSN 1050. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, the voice of Toronto sports. Ontario content to start the show, my former hometown. Finger 11, formerly known as the Rainbow Butt Monkeys. What's up, Toronto? It's Friday. The weekend is nigh. Gareth Wheeler with you at Wheeler TSN. It's Friday. That means one thing. Free for all Fridays. Yeah, I'm bringing it back. It's free, it's free for everyone, free, it's Friday. We're bringing it back. Full lines are open, 416-870-1050, That is 1-855-591-6876. Got a topic, got a subject on your mind? No topic, no take is too hot. There isn't any place we won't go. You name it, we go there. 416-870-1050. The text is 105050. The email live at tsn1050.ca at WheelerTSN on Twitter. Joe Narsa, the producer, are you cool with that? I, I just made that call on the fly. We haven't done it in a while. Free for all Friday. We're all loosey-goosey here. Let the, let the listeners dictate the program. I'm down for that, but I was just saying, I'm like, how come he didn't tell me about this? I'm I like, know. Where was that? You have an idea. From? I literally just, I called an audible at the line. I was Peyton Manning. I was like, Omaha! Omaha! I was just yelling out random cities' names. And we went with Free For All Friday. So if there's something on your mind, sports, hey, it could be outside of the world of sports. For instance, I was thinking this morning, like, I actually live in a Donald Trump-free world. Like, I do not consume Donald Trump. But what I do get when I'm doing research and I'm online, I'm on Twitter, then Trump stories pop up. And it seems like every Trump story emanates from something that he tweets. What if everyone, I mean everyone blocked him? Or no one followed him? He'd just be putting out tweets to himself. It's like if a tree falls in the forest... And no one's there. Does it actually go down? Like, does anyone hear it? Like, this is the thing. If Trump is tweeting to himself, then it doesn't matter. He could say whatever crazy biz. He could go threaten the country of Greenland if he wants. No one quiet, cares. Quiet, quiet, quiet. That struck me today. Like, tweets are fake news. No. You are fake news. Another thing on my mind, that transit issue still on my mind from yesterday. The, 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 go, the go transit lane should be opened up for everyone. And you put a siren on top of the go bus, and once it comes down that lane, you get out. It's a simple solution, no? Make the DVP move again. Make the DVP move again. So that's kind of what we're going for, going with. Today's like Christmas, by the way, to me. It's going to be very difficult to keep me focused, which is very difficult on a normal day. It's the start 
It's the beginning of a new Premier League season. Cannot wait. I heard broadcasters calling it the Premiership. It's not the Premier... If you hear any broadcaster calling it a Premiership, just change the channel. It's the English Premier League. And it starts today. Pull question put up. And yes, this is clear. I'm biased. I'm a football. I'm a soccer guy. Uh, pull questions up. Who's going to win this year's Premier League? Will it be Manchester United? Will it be Manchester City? Will Chelsea go back-to-back? Or will it be other? Someone else. And if you're going to choose other, then who will that be? At Wheeler TSN. Did you retweet that at TSN 1050 Radio, Joe? You're all over that? Awesome. Um, we actually have two poll questions today. Ooh, la-di-da. One on the Premier League to help celebrate the new season. And you could send, people are already sending me who they think is going to be relegated, uh, who they think is going to win the Golden Boot, who's going to be top player, surprise team. Go ahead and do that, and I'll share it over the show. And if you call into the program, you can give me your prediction, then get on to whatever topic you want as well. So 416-870-1050. 416 1-855-591-6876. So wheels up on that. Um, one of our major topics today, and you've heard the hype this week. Uh, do you have any Mayweather audio from this week with Stephen A. Smith, Keith? It doesn't matter if you don't. Okay, l- l- line some up because you know that he's really trying to sell the fight when. I think it's become abundantly clear where people that have been training around McGregor, like they publicly admitted that this guy like, just doesn't have a chance. We're two weeks away from the fight. Can't believe it's already here. Thank God. But ticket sales haven't been going great. The pay-per-view buys, because I think most people can see right through this, this absolute circus, have been low as well. So I, I think that Mayweather is at a point where he needs to put on his salesman hat. He needs to carry that briefcase with him, and he needs to get selling. This is what this guy does better than anyone else. Money Mayweather, the salesman. That's his shtick. That's his gig. Yeah, he's a great fighter. Not all that entertaining, but he makes you want to watch everything that he has to do with. So this week in conversation with ESPN's uh, Stephen A. Smith, he comes out and says that McGregor should be favored in this fight. What? Here's what he had to say to ESPN. He's taller, has a longer reach. He's a bigger man from top to bottom. A lot younger, so youth is on his side, and I've been off a couple years. So, and now I'm in my 40s. So, you know, if you look at everything on paper, it leans towards Conor McGregor. Come on, we should include this in the WTF for later as well. Since when does a cocky, arrogant SOB? Like Floyd Mayweather Jr. starts saying, well, the other guy's the favorite in this fight. It's not me. It's not because he's scared. It's not because he's trying to take the pressure off. He's trying to make you, the potential viewer, the potential pay-per-viewer, the, the guy that hopefully will go out and spend your life savings to attend that fight. He's trying to make sure that you're invested, that you have interest in it. The last last time I heard a boxer be that nice about the guy he's fighting was in Rocky 1, where Rocky fights Apollo, and he talks (laughs) about how good he is. Like, Floyd Mayweather, come on, man. You used to talk trash about everybody. I know. That's why everyone sees through this, right? Like, no one's taking him at face value. 
So McGregor Mayweather's a couple weeks away, a couple months away. It's the return of GSP inside the octagon. He's going to be fighting Michael Bisping. Uh, the last time GSP fought, November 16th of 2013. Stepped away from the sport. This is essentially GSP's third act. And even our younger listeners, like, we're still in the realm. We're still in the wheelhouse where I think we all understand how big GSP was. I don't know if he still is because out of sight, out of mind. But GSP was a star. People would go and fill bars across the GTA, across the country, really, just to see GSP fight. And he had a ruthlessness early in his career where, obviously, he's a technical fighter. Um, very difficult when it comes to the ground game. But he had that killer blow, that, that ability to finish off a fighter that made him absolutely electric. Later on in his career, after Matt Sarah knocked him out and upset him, he became much more cautious. And I'd argue to a point where he wasn't all that fun to watch. But I think everyone's intrigued what GSP is going to look like coming back inside the octagon. He's only 36. He's fighting a guy in Bisping, I believe, who's 38. And I, I believe is a title holder. Bisping, 30-7 and seven overall record, won his last fight against Dan Henderson back in October of 2016. So he's approaching the twilight, the end of his career as well. But GSP's return, there's going to be some legitimate buzz, and what GSP Bisping will be is a legitimate fight, unlike Mayweather-McGregor. So our second poll question, you retweeted this, Joe? Yeah? At TSN 1050 Radio, at Wheeler TSN, which fight are you more excited to watch? Or will you be more vested in, invested in? Will it be Mayweather-McGregor? Or will it be GSP Bisping? You can also text me at 105050, email live at tsn1050.ca, at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. The phone lines are open for either one of those topics. Premier League predictions, a GSP Bisping, Mayweather McGregor, which one are you more into? At 416-870-1050, 416-870-1050, toll free at 1-855-591-6876. That GSP announcement kind of flew a little bit under the radar, did it? Or, 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 or am I wrong in saying that? Like I saw it this week, and I know it's been a long time coming, but the contract was signed, the ink dried on that deal, and I thought that people would make a way bigger deal about this. This guy, in a lot of people's eyes, were pushing for GSP for years to be you know, up very much in the conversation for the Lou Marsh, and this is when UFC was still on the rise. So I, I think that we shouldn't forget just how big GSP, how big of a footprint he has left on the Canadian sporting scene. I think, Joe Narsa. I think also you've had this whole GSP story kind of drag out because it was, I feel like, a month ago where GSP, there was talks that he was going to come back and Dana White squashed it He talks it a bit. forever, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of caught some wind, and then it failed out. And then he signed this contract, and everyone was like, okay, well, we kind of knew this was going to happen. But I think, too, most GSP fans, right near his retirement, everyone was hoping him and Anderson Silva would find a way to fight. So to me, I feel like that's the fight everybody was hoping for. And against Bisping, it just doesn't have the same luster, I feel. But obviously that fight really can't happen. Well, but, but it's GSP's return. Like, and he's fighting a good fighter. 
I, I know that it might not be the best matchup on paper, and it might not be the, 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 the fight that people want to see, but it's still GSP, right? Like, I'm just, this is where I'm getting at here. Are you excited to see a legitimate fight, GSP's return, seeing what he's all about, what he has left in the tank, or a fake fight between Mayweather and McGregor? I'm interested to see what the poll results are going to be. Like, Joe, what do you want to see more? What fight are you looking forward to more? Is it the circus or is it the actual fight between two you know, older guys, but there's still a lot of intrigue around it because it's an actual fight? At this point, I'm more interested in seeing GSP only because he, at his peak, he was so dominant it was boring, like you were saying. He was methodical. And I'd love to see what he has left in the tank after being able to heal and not be in the ring because near the end, he, was, he had so many injuries. He, he won one of his fights with a broken arm. So I'd love to see what he's going to look like coming back out of retirement. The Mayweather, you know, McGregor fight. I honestly, I couldn't care less. I hope it gets canceled for how well, frustrated I am about yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's not going to be, buddy. Sorry, there's too much money at stake. But you could have your say. The text is ten fifty fifty. The email live at tsn ten fifty dot ca. Dennis uh, Shapovalov. God, why can his name be so much easier? Shapovalov. 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 Last, great story. Great Canadian sports story last night. I kind of joked up the top. A blonde Canadian tennis player actually winning a big match. Go figure. Oh, sorry, Jeannie. I'll, I'll leave that alone for now. But going out and beat... I don't care what tournament it is. When you go out as an 18-year-old and beat Rafa Nadal, that's something special. And I have no idea what... They're calling him El Chapo. I like because he's Canadian. It should be Il Chapo. No? <laughs> Does that work? Does that mean his hat? Anyways, leave my French alone. Uh, but at 18 years old, the youngest quarterfinalist in ATP Masters 1000 history since 1990. I think about big or significant wins by Canadian tennis players. There was... Um, Milos Raonic beating Roger Federer, that was huge. The one for me that's still the biggest was Daniel Nestor defeating Stefan Edberg. I was a huge Edberg fan as a kid. And watching a Canadian beat the great Swede, who I believe was the top-ranked tennis player in the world, that was something special. But last night, it was just magical. like The crowd, the atmosphere, seeing a young man realize his dream, uh, that's what this sport can be. And... The kid has bags of potential, and I guess the hope now is he can represent something that maybe a Jeannie Bouchard can't, which means legitimacy on the tennis court. And this tournament desperately needed it. There hasn't been much. like You'll watch Federer when he plays no matter what, but the tournament has lagged a whole lot this year, especially here in Toronto on the women's side, and it got a massive shot in the arm. And I think both the ATP and the WTA both get that jolt of energy, that, that the newsiness that it needs. It's going to make the WTS, but Shapovalov, or whatever, his name was spelt wrong on CP24 this morning. They spelt it S-H-A-P-A-V-A-L-O-V. And too many A's. It's S-H-A-P-O. Like, they don't even know who he is. Typo! But uh, big story last night, which kind of overshadowed the Blue Jays, and which was 
another significant story. Not so much that the Blue Jays won 4 nothing last night against the New York Yankees. Is that Marco Estrada is all of a sudden good again. <laughs> it is so funny when you listen to sports talk radio. And we are so guilty of this. But I don't know where... And, and, and if you listen to me on a regular basis, you know that I kind of point out when people go way overboard in terms of their perspective. Marco Estrada, two years ago, people were saying, well, I'd rather have Estrada in a playoff game than David Price. Yeah, David Price hasn't been great in the playoffs, but he's David freaking Price. When healthy, one of the most dominant pitchers in Major League Baseball. But with that being said, Estrada was that good. Not only in the playoffs, in the regular season. This year, he struggled. But the whole idea and what was being put out to you, the listener, is this guy has zero value. This guy's completely lost it, yada, yada, yada. He's a bum. Come on. Just don't lose it just like that. You can struggle, yes, but this guy's still more than a decent pitcher. Third straight outing. Solid. Seven innings pitched last night, five hits, no earned runs, three walks, six Ks, 110 pitches, 57 strikes in the win. You want to see a few more strikes thrown? Steve Phillips, our TSN baseball insider, put out last night that the Astros, Mariners, or Royals will call for a deal. I don't know if that's because he has knowledge of the situation or he's just assuming that they will call. Bottom line is this. The Blue Jays, as much as some want to make out like they're still in the playoff conversation and this is sport and crazy things happen, the Blue Jays themselves don't acknowledge the fact that they're in any kind of race. You can trade Estrada, still sign him back here next year. The team's going to need at least three starting pitchers and move on with things. The pitching staff is an absolute mess right now. And the team isn't good enough with or without Estrada. So perhaps this could be a shot in the arm. I have no idea what type of prospect. Probably not much. But it's something as you still look for the future. And the trading of Estrada would be the last nail in the Blue Jays season's coffin. Which probably should have been buried already. But at least that's notable. That Marco Estrada has pitched well. And from a Blue Jays perspective, a club that has payroll parameters. Estrada's trying to make up for some potential lost value in terms of the market entering this offseason as a free agent. He puts together a good August, good September. You know, in, in September, you're largely playing call-ups. There's, there's a real good chance that a pitcher like Estrada can put together a good final couple months. Then it kind of enhances or increases his value on the open market, perhaps to a point where he becomes a little bit too expensive for the Maple Leafs. Because right now, they're looking for, you know, they're bargain shopping. They're going to Dollarama because they have so many holes to fill. And I'm not so worried about what Estrada is doing this year, but what it means for the offseason if the Blue Jays look at him as a player that they can bring back into the rotation next year. I, I, I mean, contracts matter. And the value of them to this Blue Jays team. They're not the Dodgers. They're not an organization that's willing to bury bad contracts. There are payroll parameters, unfortunately. There shouldn't be. Shouldn't be at all. Should just go in and build the best team possible. No salary cap. Take advantage of that. Instead, uh, this is the world that they live in. I also want to mention the Connor Brown 
news that's kind of re-picked back up. I mean, nothing's changed. He's still an RFA. He still doesn't have a contract. And Connor Brown, do, do we have the audio, Chris? We have the audio of Connor Brown. He was at Nazem Kadri's golf tournament. Drew Doughty was there. A bunch of other players were there. And, and, and Connor Brown, of course, asked yet again about his contract and whether he's worried about a deal getting done. Yeah, obviously, first time going through something like this. And yeah, I mean, um, it, it, I don't think it's as stressful as <laughs> as uh, the media would make it out to be. I mean, I, I'm very confident things will, will get sorted out by uh, season time. So um, we'll, we'll get it figured out. Very confident. I, I, I mean, it's a matter of term, it's a matter of length, and it's a matter of flexibility that the Maple Leafs have. I think everyone likes Connor Brown, right? Like, I'm not sure I'd go as far as saying that he's a necessary, a mandatory core guy for this team. But at 23 of three years of age, in a rookie season, Connor Brown scored some big goals. Scored 20 of them on the year. 16 assists. I, I think there's a lot to like about a hardworking player. And a guy generally well-regarded within and around the organization. But what this, this screams to me a couple things. One, I have no doubt that the Maple Leafs would like that player back. His age works with this team. Um, His value, where that is, I think there could be a little bit of a discrepancy there. I think that his numbers may suggest he's a little bit more valuable than he actually is. But I think what it mostly suggests is the Maple Leafs have work to do. And I don't think they should be done. I don't think that they are done. They have far too many wingers on this team. And it's kind of weird that during this time of year, the hockey world largely goes dark. It goes quiet and not much happens. But the Maple Leafs right now have a glut of wingers. Far too many. And a couple of them are going to be free agents after next year. And Van Riemsdyk and Komarov. You have JVR, you have Marlowe, you have Hyman, you have Martin, you have Levo, you have Kapanen. Lupul's hanging out somewhere. I have no freaking idea where Joffrey Lupul is. Mitch Marner, William Nylander. He's in Italy. Komarov. Is he hanging in Italy yes. right now? Yes, Insta? he is. Italy, beautiful. Too many tourists. Beautiful, though. Uh, Komarov, Brown, Soshnikov, like, as well as other young players with the Marlies. You have too many NHL bodies. And depth is a great thing to, thing to have for the organization. But at some point, and I've been saying this for a while... The Maple Leafs are going to have to decide who is in their plans and who isn't. And who you can afford to lose to upgrade other positions. We talked about this on the program earlier this week. You cannot tell me that this blue line is good enough as is to enter this season to give you any kind of confidence whatsoever and to provide any requisite protection for Freddie Anderson. The Maple Leafs gave up almost 32 shots per game last year. One of the worst in the NHL. Too much action in front of goal. And we talked about this. Mike Babcock in conversation with Dave McCarthy, formerly of TSN 1050, now of NHL.com, that he's planning on playing Hainsey with Riley as his top pairing. I mean, I'm sorry, you cannot convince me that Ron Hainsey is the best fit to go to play beside, play next to, play significant minutes alongside your 23-year-old defenseman who you hope will become a number one. Morgan Riley didn't play like a number one last year. In the playoffs, he looked, had glimpses that he can and was that player. Zaitsev Gardner, I know Gardner still has his detractors, but he had a good year last year. Zaitsev, 
You hope that he can build on what was a good, not great, rookie campaign. Then, then you got your collection in terms of your third pairing. Connor Carrick, Martin Marincin. Oh, my God. Alexei Marchenko. There's Borgman. There's Rosen. There's Dermott. But there's no sure-shot answer there. Your third pairing is lacking, and I'd say that you're missing a top-pairing defenseman as well. Isn't it incumbent on the Maple Leafs? And, and, and maybe this is what's holding up a deal with Connor Brown. To trade from the wing position and try to... Bra- I know it's not going to be like for like. You're not going to get value. But to address the back end, you're going to have to give up something. You're going to have to. That's the way it works. And the, the trade that's always brought up is the Edmonton Oilers trading Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Well, they, they, it's not like for like in terms of value, but you can make the argument that trading for Larson has taken the Oilers to another level where they're ready to contend. They're ready to compete for a Stanley Cup. So it's not just about player value for player value. It's what that player means for the team. And right now I'd make the argument that you're willing and they should be willing to give up a little bit more talent from a forward position to maybe bring back a little bit less talent on the back end, but that can solidify that group. I firmly believe there's a window open for this Maple Leafs team now. There's some flexibility in terms of cap space. For me, they spent too much on Marlowe, spent too much on Hainsey. But with that being said, before the Matthews, before the Nylander, before the Marner contracts kick in, you got some space. You got some time to strike and see what this young group can do. It's a young man's league. And the Maple Leafs have no shortage of young talent. But it's about moving around those pieces in order to complete an appropriate puzzle. And I don't think the Maple Leafs are done, and I don't think they should be done. And I, I would be dangling a player. As much as I'd hate to lose a player like JVR, that seems like the most natural player to go. Because he's probably the best player of the bunch that can bring you back alongside, whether it be future picks, players, prospects, to bring back the biggest and most appropriate haul on the back line. What say you? Is that the reason why you think the Connor Brown deal hasn't been struck? Let me know your thoughts. Like, what's the holdup? Do you have reservations about Connor Brown? Or is this just part of the juggling act? The moving around the pieces by the Maple Leafs organization at present time? 416-870-1050. 416-870-1050. Toll free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 1050-50. The email live at tsn1050.ca. We'll bring you an update from Quail Hollow. Is that what it's called? Quail Hollow? Through the PGA Championships taking place? I don't know about you. I can't wrap my head around this tournament until at least the weekend. But we'll get Ryan Ballinger to explain to you what's going on and why it should matter here in the early stages of the PGA Championship. All that coming up. Wheels with you. This is TSN 1050 in Toronto. Wheels with you. I'm heading on mancation on Sunday. I'll tell you about that in a few minutes' time. My first mancation. I'll tell you how it works in a few. 
Keep on weighing in on the poll questions. A ton of people weighing in on the Premier League. It starts today. Arsenal, Leicester City, TSN. I believe it's 245 today. I'm going to say 245. It's like Christmas morning for me. Also, plenty of people weighing in. Which fight are you more interested in watching? Is it Mayweather-McGregor? Or is it GSP's return taking on Michael Bisping? It's an actual fight rather than a circus. Which one would you rather watch? Let me know at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. The text is 105050, the email live at tsn1050.ca. This just in as well. Uh, Rob Harris, who works for the Associated Press, has confirmed that there are only two bids for the 2026 World Cup of Soccer by today's deadline. One's from the U.S., Mexico, Canada group. The other one's from Morocco. But the World Cup was just on the continent of Africa. I was there in South Africa in 2010. And for me, it seems too soon to go back. Uh, The last World Cup in North America was, of course, uh, the 1994 World Cup in the United States. So that's official. For me, that's an absolute lock that U.S., Mexico, Canada will be hosting the World Cup. Uh, Right now, the PGA Championship is going on at Quail Hollow. And it's very difficult for me to get into this tournament until the weekend. There's just too many names. Like, here's the leaderboard right now. And tell me how many of them you know if they're standing right in front of you. Kevin Kisner, DA points, which sounds like a place where you go if you get a ticket and you got to fight for your points and you want to fight that ticket. DA points. Thorbjorn Olsen, who may also double as a actor in Game of Thrones. Probably a wildling, I'd say. Chris Stroud, who? And Gary Woodland. I mean, those are your top five right now. Then you got some guys like Ricky Fowler, Bruce, uh, Brooks Kepka, Paul Casey, who you'd at least recognize. That's why it's hard for me to invest myself in this tournament early. But let's ask our next guest what's going on and why you should be involved here in the early stages of the second round of the PGA Championship. This Golf Insider is brought to you by your Ontario Subaru dealers. Test drive the superior performance of a Subaru today. I haven't chatted with him for a while. Ryan Ballingy, owner of Golf News Net, at Ryan Ballingy on Twitter. What's going on, Ryan? It's been a while, pal. Yeah, it's been a little while. It's just uh, three weeks away from the last major, and I, I can understand why it's kind of hard to get into this. This is it's the last major of the year, first of all. Second, we just had one that was really good. And third, like you said, this is uh, a golf course we normally see on the PGA Tour at Quail Hollow, and it just kind of feels like a normal PGA Tour event a little bit. Yeah, it's lacking some luster. Like, I'm watching the broadcast right now, like Andre Ugudala is doing an interview on it. That seems kind of more important than anything that's going on in the course, you know? Like, and, and Justin Bieber's being on the course. It, it, it seems like the celebrity has kind of been the main story. And, and of course, shorts instead of pants, Ryan, during the practice rounds earlier this week week yeah you got to let those games free at least one week a year and uh, the pga of america decided after the european tour last <laughs> year went ahead and told their players they could practice in shorts during some times some events they're like oh we want to be cool too shorts for everybody and had a little bit of a wall of uninten- unintended consequences with seeing uh phil mickelson's legs and uh, some other guys who probably shouldn't be showing them but uh, yeah, the story so far has been really anything but the golf. It's been 
Jordan, Bieber, Phelps, and then golf. Right. Okay, so how can the story become more about golf? Is it going to require Spieth being in the mix come the weekend? Is that what this tournament needs? Or is there another story or other guys that really can make this tournament come to life? So far, I would think the, the kind of savior story would be Ricky Fowler, right? I mean, we've been expecting him to win a major championship for a handful of years now. He won his first PJ Tour event on this golf course at the Wells Fargo Championship. So he knows how to play well here. And, and if he could kind of break through, then he can kind of shed that talk pretty quickly of being the best golfer in the world without a major championship. He's really the hope and savior right now. I think if you saw a run from maybe a Paul Casey, that would be interesting to international fans, but maybe not to American fans. If Brooks Kepka sticks around and wins a second major this year, that would certainly be a story worth worth talking about. Then you would have to strongly consider him the, the best player this year on the PGA Tour. And that's really about it. I think the other stuff would kind of be golf geeky, which I would be excited about because I watch the sport day in and day out. But for the average person, right. would probably be like, eh, that sounds nice, but no thanks. Yeah, and, and, and that's why I wonder, the PGA Championship moving to May in 2019, does that change the way that the entire calendar plays out in terms of interest? Because that way you're ending up with the Open Championship, which is like one of the crown jewels. You know, after the Masters, yeah. it's kind of like there, there, there's a prestige to the Open Championship. That seems like a better major to end up with rather than the PGA, which we've seen a lot of random winners over the years. Yeah, and the, and the fields have been great. They've been the deepest in golf among the four major championships every year for, for about a decade now. But the way that they are set up, they're set up more like normal PGA Tour events. They're set up on golf courses that don't play extremely difficult, and they, they kind of this dead time of year where people in the United States are just kind of waiting for football to start, and you're kind of in the dregs of the Major League Baseball season, and all of a sudden you just go, okay, well, we've got this thing to finish up. Let's, let's do this, and then we can be done with these things. And if you have a good British Open leading into it, it's really hard to kind of sit up and be interested. If you had a bad three majors to start the year, then maybe you get into the PGA Championship. So I think it moving to May is a good decision. It's the only major that really lacks an identity because the Masters is the Masters that Augusta National every year. The U.S. Open is supposed to be hard, although it wasn't this year. And the British Open is unique. It's the only one not playing in the United States that has its own unique identity. So the PGA is searching for something. They feel going to May will help them out. I, I can't disagree with them because I, I think it gives a better cadence to the season. You've got to go a major every basically no more than five weeks without a major from April to the end of July. That's pretty good. I think the players will like that more. They'll have as long of a wait for the next major from the Masters in April to the U.S. Open in June so they can kind of space their schedule a little bit better. I think we'll see a little bit better golf, too, at the PGA Championship in May just because of the way that the season rolls up. And then you get better potential venues that you couldn't go to before. Like, you can't play a PGA Championship in August right. in Florida or Texas or Arizona or Mississippi, you know, kind of southern United States, where you go, that's going to be like 110 degrees and really hot. Like, you wouldn't do that. So now you can in May. It'll only be like 85 degrees in May, which actually might be pretty okay. I, I, by the way, I like your use of the word cadence. That was great, Ryan. That was absolutely pro. Ryan Ballinger of Golf News Net joining us here on Toronto Today. I'm Wheels. See, this discussion, we wouldn't even be having this in terms of interest, in terms of flipping the calendar, 
if Tiger Woods was still playing, right? Like, it's kind of funny. You get rid of one guy, and the entire specter of the event and of the golf season completely changes. Well, when Tiger was playing his best golf, it didn't matter when he was playing. He could have played the Pote on Gopin, and it would yeah. be a big deal. Because That's my he point. Chose to play it. And without him, yeah, it has a different feel to it. Although the, the PJ Championship always felt like fourth place out of four majors. And even some years, the Players' Championship felt like a bigger deal than the PJ Championship did. So I think that this has been an eternal struggle for the PJ of America. They know their major really has no identity, and they've tried to figure out a way to capitalize on that. And, and they've tried for years to be Glory's last shot. You know, if you, if you wanted to win them all, you had to win the PGA. They can't go first, so you can't can't be like the Australian Open in tennis, where if you want to win them all, you got to win the Aussie Open. So they figure, okay, well, let's go second. Hopefully that opens up some avenues for us that we don't have in August. And maybe at some point they get a little bit bumped in prestige. But, again, with Tiger kind of out of the picture and golf without a clear superstar, although maybe Jordan Spieth is starting to become that guy, without that clear superstar, it's kind of hard to make every event feel special when there are so many big events. Right. Spieth two over in his first round. Put on your golf geek hat. I'll allow you to do so, Ryan. Like, what went wrong with Spieth yesterday? And can he bring this back? I mean, he's eight eight shots back the leader right now. I think Kisner's six under through ten holes today. So, I, I mean, is this redeemable? It can be. I mean, you don't want to be too far back in a PGA Championship in particular because it's kind of hard to make up that ground in a hurry. But the way they set up Quail Hollow being really firm, really fast, more like a U.S. Open in terms of expectations. I think you, you can make up that ground over 36 holes, but I think you want to be no worse than five out of the lead by the end of the day today. Then that means Kisner's probably going to drop a shot or two by the end of the day. Hopefully Speed gets one or two if he feels like he's going to have a chance over the weekend. But if you look at the, the recent history, kind of the last 20 years of the PGA Championship, basically if you were first or second after 36 holes, you had the best chance of winning. There, were, there weren't a whole lot of surprise winners in terms of coming from way back in the field. So you want to be no worse than five shots out of the lead going into the weekend. And that's probably going to mean you want to be at least one under par. So that's probably Speed's target to get to the house, get to one under par. He played well from tee to green yesterday, but putted absolutely horribly by his standards. So he needs more putts to go in in that 20, 30, 40-foot range that he seems to just kind of pull out every now and then and around to really keep it going for him. And if he can do that and get on the, the right side of par by the end of the day for, for two rounds, maybe he's got a chance. I, I, I'm a big Rory guy. Like, he's my boy. Yeah. What's, go, what's going on with Rory? Because all I heard going into this tournament that he's won at this course before, it sets up well for him. What's up with Rory? A lot of things. Uh, <laughs> he's got married this year. He's got new golf clubs. He's got a new caddy. Are these real he, excuses or these made-up excuses? Well, I think some of them are real. I mean, changing equipment is, is a big deal. So is kind of going through the, the personal things in your life, I think. But at the end of the day, <laughs> he's just not that good of a putter. And that's what really is his spoil has been his entire career. He drives the ball better and longer than pretty much anybody on the planet. He puts the ball in the fairway. He's out driving Ricky Fowler, who is not short by any standard, by 60 and 70 yards so far this week. They're playing together. And it, they, they're kind of drawing the graphic of, on TV of like a basically a Walmart between Fowler's ball and uh, McElroy's ball in every tee shot, but he can't putt. And if he can't putt, you can't make birdies. The good thing for him is that these greens are so firm and fast, a lot of guys are putting defensively. They're trying to not three-putt instead of trying to one-putt. So if there's any kind of 
consolation to him, it's that everybody's having trouble on these greens, and that may help him if he can get on a little bit of a roll. The downside is Kevin Kistner is the guy in the lead. He is the best putter on the PJ Tour on these types of greens. So you need to kind of find a way to make up ground against a guy who's way better at you at a skill you stink at. Good stuff, Ryan. I, I'm hoping that the headline at the end of the weekend isn't Thornbjorn Olsen and the Wildlings defeat the White Walkers, which could actually be a legitimate headline. But uh, we'll see how it plays out this week at uh, Quail Hollow. Really appreciate your time, and thanks for catching up. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Ryan Ballingy, at Ryan Ballingy on Twitter, owner of Golf News Net. Quality guy, quality content there. Follow Ryan on Twitter. And that's that Golf Insider was brought to you by your Ontario Subaru dealers. Test drive the superior performance of a Subaru today. Thornbjorn Olsen. Were those quality jokes? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Eh? Eh? Five out of ten. I'm getting five out of tens. Okay. I was trying to work with something. Trying to make it more pop culture. I'm trying to bring some intrigue to the world of golf. PGA Championship not having it thus far. I don't know. Maybe I can be convinced over the weekend, but they have some serious work to do. And DA Points and Thornbjorn Olsen aren't going to do it for me. Sounds like he could be in one of my favorite bands as well. Sigur Ross, Thornbjorn, potentially. Sound Wars. We'll see if that's an improvement on my joke. Definitely won't be making any Sound Wars battle anytime soon. That's coming up next. Hoping to catch up with Alex Bono of Toronto FC. Their goalkeepers, they take on Portland Timbers tomorrow down at BMO Field. And we're going to talk contracts in the NFL. Brian Mackler, NFL agent with Sports Stars Agency, is going to stop by. Does the NFL have it right having guaranteed contracts? I'm going to try to make the case that all leagues should have non-guaranteed contracts. That's coming up next, TSN 1050. It's time for a TSN 1050 Sound War. Whoa, what a hit that was! This is the worst one for sure. What did I tell you boys yesterday? I called the upset. Angry Nailer? It was a lock. Wheeler was right. The boys behind the glass? Not so much. It's 11.53. This is Toronto Today. This is Sound Wars. The best sound bites are down to the Sweet 16, and you get to decide which one, which one survives this TSN 1050 Sound War. Brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Lighter Up Light Lager. It's soundbite seed number one versus seed number eight. Soundbite number one, Keith Hernandez and Gary Cohen were having what they thought was an off-air conversation about national starter Tanner Roark, and it wasn't. Roark got knocked out in the third inning. Roark's been getting his tits yeah, lit. he really has. He's been getting his what? It's a one seed, eh? Okay, okay. Keith Hernandez bringing it. The man with the mustache. Sound bite number eight. If you're going to spell it out, make sure you know how to spell it first. Former New York Jets fullback Tony Richardson butchers the New York Jets draft announcement. To the 79th pick in the 2017 NFL draft, the New York J-E-T-E Jets select our Darren Stewart, receiver, Alabama. I like that. He was one letter away from spelling Jeter. The New York Jeters, maybe it's time for a rebrand. Tony Richardson. Jets isn't even a tough word to smell. Amazing. Go to tsn1050.ca, click on Sound Wars, and vote for your favorite soundbite. 
Seed number one, Roar getting his tits lit? <laughs> Did the script here. Wow. Okay. Or seed number eight, J-E-T-E Jets. Voting for this sound war closes at 3 p.m. today. Listen to Overdrive later for the results and for the start of a new Sound Wars battle on TSN 1050. Sound Wars is brought to you by Old Tomorrow's new Letter Up Light Lager at select Loblaw grocery stores. Do you have a problem with there being non-guaranteed contracts in the NFL? Should all of North American sports have non-guaranteed contracts? Let me know your thoughts on that. 416-870-1050 and toll free at 1-855-591-6876. The text is 105050 at Wheeler TSN on Twitter. We'll go there next. We'll hope to catch up with Alex Bono of Toronto FC and Brian Mackler, NFL agent with Sports Stars Agency. will check in. And of course, as we always do, it's WTF. Final hour of the program on deck. Wheels with you. TSN 1050.